Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. How about we spend a couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show? I don't know. Perhaps we will engage in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news and politics, music and entertainment, sports and recreation, health and fitness, politics, and a little more politics. Uber producer Dan Peters is in the studio today with us. Thanks for spending some time. Uh, whether you're driving around listening on your radio at Information 1000 KSOO, maybe you're streaming live at work at KSOO.com, or perhaps you've got that KSOO mobile app, the branded mobile app with the one-touch streaming, as well as updates on all the news and weather from around the region from the staff here at Results Radio. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live. It's happening right now at KSOO's account or on our Twitter account at P. Lally Show, P-L-A-L-L-E-Y-S-H-O-W. That's P. Lally Show on the Twitters. Oh, man. It's kind of, Dan, it's, it's gloomy. I'm a, I'm a little, like, <clears throat> you're just a little, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> I think it's because of the, the weather. I think it's the, I think it's the, uh, probably the front, the cold front, the warm front, the uh, front, the twirling and the twisting and such. You sound like you're verklempt. I'm a little verklempt. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> That's, that was a great sketch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's kind of, I don't know, it's just rain, 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 right? Yeah, I had to make a quick run home, and I was talking to my neighbor, and he says, oh, if it gets above 75, then I don't like it. But, you know, I, it doesn't matter to me if it gets, you know, this particular hot, muggy, it just kind it's just kind of kind of mild muggy. Yeah. And, and, and it drags you down just a little bit. A little bit, without the sunshine. And so it's supposed to rain. What I hear in the weather, like tonight, tomorrow, the next night. Felines and canines, we're calling it. Yeah, and uh, it's been raining for a while. We get a, we've gotten a lot of, just a lot of moisture. If you look at the monthly total for Sioux Falls, yeah. it's actually behind for the month of June. No, I am not kidding you. So usually we get just under four inches of rain in Sioux Falls. We're right about an inch and three quarters. Well, that's not very much. No, but I think we're going to make that up over the next couple of days and, and get close to average, and then we'll shoot past. But what makes it really interesting is that if you take the drop monitor picture mm-hmm. from what's happening in the current status, you see a lot of areas around Aberdeen and Redfield that have dried out quite a bit since the beginning of the year. And actually, most of the entire state was needing some moisture about the only area that was kind of uh, that was had adequate moisture was up by Big Stone Lake, yeah, in the northeast part of the the state. But now, actually, that part of the state is starting to creep in with a little bit of abnormally dry conditions and severe drought conditions were found out in western South Dakota, yeah. especially around Wall and much of Meade County. Yeah, it'd been terribly dry and south of Lemon, but that has flipped. And and the stock dams and the and the pasture land is getting all greened up with all the rain that beginning and and they've got flood warnings and advisories out in Kadoka and spreading westward all the way out to Rapid City. Ooh, flood! I did hear that about Rapid City. They're like uh, releasing water from Lake Pectola because their flood pool needs to be lower, so the 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 Rapid Creek that goes through town there is higher than normal. I think the amount of cubic feet per second that they're looking at is probably just 
about a 25 foot per second increase. Yeah. So it's not a whole lot compared to what you see at the dams along the Missouri River, where right. they're, where they're, you know, when they release the hounds and they open up the gates, man, look out. Yeah. And the, but the, in Rapid, you know, the, the, the Rapid Creek is so small. I mean, it's just not that big. So just a, a change like that. They're like having to close bike trails and different stuff in, in Rapid. So they, they got a lot of water out there. And uh, it, it's uh, it's pretty green. Place is pretty, pretty green. So, uh, you know, we'll take it, I guess. The fields must be doing well. The crops are doing well. Too bad we don't have any market for our soybeans. But that's a different story, Dan. <laughs> yes, as we well know. This will be the year we have a great crop and nobody to sell it to. Oh, well, we'll see. We uh, we hope our farmers do well, and uh, we hope we stay dry when you're out and about this week. Hopefully, it'll be okay for the weekend. How's the weekend? This weekend's going to be okay, right? Yeah, actually, it looks like we'll finally get some at least decent amounts of sunlight come yeah. Saturday and Sunday. Because uh, we're going to be talking about this later. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've done it yet. I got I got one day to actually make my final decision. But I think I'm going to do the Dakota Man Triathlon this weekend. Oh, boy. Yeah. How much training have you done to be... Now, Now, what does this involve? It's a shorty. Oh, okay. I mean, so it's it's a, what we like to call a sprint triathlon. It's a 500-yard swim, 15-mile bike ride, and a 5K. So it's it's not like a torture fest, but, you know, it's still hard because yeah, you're trying if, to go fast. If, yeah. If you, haven't, if you haven't trained for it, you can do it at your own pace, but you're going to be all alone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And as you know, I have that SmackDown challenge from the mayor. Oh, yes. So that's my whole, I'll just be, I got him in my sights. Right now I'm doing that thing where you point at your own eyes and then point at somebody else's. I got the mayor in my sights. You're under surveillance for now. I wonder if we could have, it probably is not ethical to have a friendly wager, is it? I don't know. They do that between governors of states and senators of states for, for different sporting events, but. Maybe we'll just have, you know, something symbolic. Yeah. You know. it, make it a friendly. Uh, yeah, we'll make it a friendly. I'll, I'll see. I'll dial up the mayor and see what we can do on that. But he's signed up. He says he's doing it. Um, he hasn't been able to train too much either, as you know. He's been a little bit busy. <laughs> so I'm just fat. It's my problem. But we'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, I shouldn't. I'm fatter than I used to be. Well, you did some exercise this weekend, so yep. you, you you'll probably end up looking like the Tin Man. Who was sent out? It was out in the rain too long. <laughs> a little, yeah. The rusty gate will be swinging. Well, that'll be. We're going to talk later. In fact, uh, later in the show, we're going to talk with Kathy Grady. She is the organizer of the Dakota Man Triathlon, which is Saturday. It's uh, really the only triathlon we have right in the Sioux Falls area anymore, and so it's a big event. Scott Hudson is our weird friend of the day. Uh, Cracker is in town tonight. The band Cracker, and we'll talk about them and. Uh, the origins of that band and some of the cool stuff that they've done over the years, uh, starting with Camper Van Beethoven, if people remember that group. We'll analyze the news from the Democrat convention last weekend with blogger Corey Heidelberger of DakotaFreePress.com. And I'll have a PL statement just after the break. Yeah, you knew it was coming. It's, it, it, it's public input. So you're going to want to stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Eight 
1015 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And I found the uh, Bodine's track for today, got it back after a brief absence. So we're happy to have the theme song for the PL statement back. And today in the news, well, you know, you really can't, you really can't avoid it. It's the uh, crushing issue of our times, as we know, public input at city council meetings. And, you know, in some degree, if this is the biggest issue we have, we're doing all right. But it's not. We know that's true. But it's also not unimportant. It is, in fact, at its core, um, an important issue. How you have the opportunity to redress your grievances with your government. It is uh, a basic constitutional and uh, American principle. And so we pay attention to that and we want it to be free, open, and good. And productive. We want all those things. So we know after much discussion and debate, there is originally there was the proposal to move the public inputs portion of the program on the Tuesday night meetings to the end. It traditionally is now at the beginning or near the beginning where people can come and speak for five minutes on any issue that they have with the city council. And then, of course, it's gotten a little loose. The, uh, the O-rings have gotten a little loose, some leakage at public input um, that was crescendoing near the end of the Huther administration. And so this proposal came from Marshall Selberg, who's been on this program talking about it, to move it to the end. And remember, these are not the comments on uh, particular pieces of legislation before the body that day where you can talk. That's only on second reading. And the way municipal government works is there's a first reading where it's introduced and they vote to decide whether or not they will take it up on the second reading, usually one or two weeks hence. That's when people can come and talk. And, you know, it's a bit cumbersome because no member of the public can make their statements until right before the council votes on the issue So, and finalizes it. So, you know, there, there's an issue with that. And there was an issue with some people who were getting a little out of control. Maybe for legitimate reasons, maybe some others not so much. But that's not really for us to judge, as I've said before. One man's productivity is another man's free speech or woman. So now we have a compromise uh, forwarded through the channels, negotiated between the counselors or a group of counselors that would leave public input at the beginning of the show, keep it to three, p- three minutes per person, down from five, and cap it at 30 minutes total. And allow comment at first reading. And there's some other bits and pieces there that they'll hash out tonight at your city council meeting where you can either go in person or watch live on Midco Cable Channel 16, which is the city's live TV station. Or you can watch it online at SiouxFalls.org. So you can pay attention. You can, you can drop in and, and uh, watch the proceedings. I m- imagine there will be plenty of commentary during that portion of the show when they're discussing the changes. Uh, there's some weird procedural stuff going on that I don't think is necessary because it would seem to me, and, and uh, I know there are other educated opinions on this, that if you wanted to change a ordinance that's before the city, you simply amend the ordinance. 
seen it done many times, the old strike and replace. So you strike the entire thing and you put in a new piece or you amend it bit by bit. There are ways, okay? But this is fine. There are two different items on the agenda, I think even three now, but they'll hash their way through it. So we've got the compromise. And you know what? It's a good compromise. The best part of the deal, which doesn't get as much attention in this discussion, is allowing comment at first reading. That will nearly eliminate the need for an open comment period for a lot of people, which means less time at the beginning of the meetings and less, you know, uh, hurt feelings, I guess. If I had my druthers, I'd probably do just the first reading part and see how the rest of it goes. But I realize that might not be, uh, I don't know, punitive enough for some people. There is an error in this proposal that is distasteful to me. Um, and it's a philosophical one, not a practical one. It's that it's not the three minutes or the five minutes really, uh, or whether 30 minutes is going to be limiting or visuals or any of that stuff. I don't think that's the main issue. It's this unspoken but clear message that it's being done because public comment is annoying or uncomfortable. And that, that bothers me a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. The idea that it's a business meeting to me also, this is where the city's business gets done. Well, that's, that's off point. Uh, it's still a public forum for debate of issues before our city. So much of it seems mundane, but it's all important for the efficient operations of government. It is the operations of government, not the operations of business community. It is not exclusively exclusively the providence of developers and other business people to execute their deals. Yes, zoning and use permits are important. We all know that. And, and the, the permitting process that uh, various developers need to go through, all very important. In fact, I would argue that we should be having broader discussions about how we grow, how we develop, and how does that fit into the long-term needs and vision of the city. We did go through that not that long ago with Shape Places. But I don't think Shape Places was primarily an administrative revamp in my mind because not much has changed. But those aren't the discussions we have. It's much more how can we get the best, how can we best facilitate what I consider are the short-sighted philosophies here, which is that all growth is good growth, all building is good building, all expansion is good expansion. That's a bigger issue than public input. For now, this is a reasonable compromise for what is, in the end, a pretty simple problem to fix. Yes, it's a big issue. It's an important issue in terms of open government, and the timing could have been better. Uh, the process is a bit rushed. Coming, as we have, just off the tumultuous end of the Huther administration. But I think we should pass this and move on. And there's a lot of good things in there that I think will solve the problems that some people see. There's still going to be hurt feelings. There's still going to be things you don't like. People are going to say things that are uncomfortable for you that you don't agree with, that you think are uh, incendiary or, you know, not on point, not businesslike, and that's fine. You're going to be okay. Just pass it and move on. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me by sending me an email, Patrick at KSO.com, or you can get on the old Twitter machine at P. Lally Show. 
and throw us a comment there. We always enjoy hearing from you. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we'll chat with Scott Hudson about the big Cracker show tonight down at Icon Lounge. Love Cracker. And uh, a bit about the uh, outlook and philosophy of that band, which is very interesting. We'll have more on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 332 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we bring in uh, on a lovely Tuesday afternoon, normally on Wednesdays, but we did some shuffling today to get Scott Hudson on because, uh, well, I'll tell you about it in a minute. Scott, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm hanging in there, hanging in there. I, uh, I gotta, I gotta re-record that uh, that uh, Alex Chilton track. It's just, it's not recorded at a high enough level. I need, I need a little more oh, punch on it. Needs to be loud. Yeah. yeah, it needs to be needs, really loud. It needs to be at eleven. Yes. <laughs> I, fortunately, the radio board goes to plus fifteen. I don't know why. Oh, well, even better. <laughs> I don't, it means something to somebody, but not to me. Uh, so we'll run uh, Alex Chilton at fifteen next time around. Yeah. Um, uh, hey, I wanted to get you on today. Because, and things worked out well, thankfully, because uh, Cracker is in town tonight. I, honestly, I almost forgot, but down at Icon Lounge, and uh, uh, wh- what are your thoughts on this show? Are you, are you still, you think Cracker is still a vibrant organization? Oh, sure. I mean, I, uh, um, I mean they need a new album, and it's been a while since I have, have had a new album. But, yeah, I mean, David Lowry is a very, very talented guy, and... And, uh, you know, they've, they're a hardworking band. They've been on the road almost constantly from day one. So sure. That's, what's kind of amazing about these guys. Okay. So they hit it, you know, they had some hits back in the day, David Lowry and uh, Hickman, right. Is the guitar player. Yeah. Johnny Hickman. And they had, yeah. So low, uh, uh, was a song that a lot of people know, but they, uh, uh, Lowry has roots back to another cool band, which was Camper Van Beethoven. Yes. And uh, Hickman, he wasn't in that band, though. No, no, no. It was just David. So, but so they, they get kind of big. They have this hit. And then they just uh, keep going. <laughs> you yeah, know what I, I mean, mean, you know, you, you, I mean, that's the way it is these days. You can't rely on radio or anything like that to sustain a, a career unless you're part of the 1% of artists. And so they just, you know, they keep doing their thing. They keep playing. They have a devoted fan base. Uh, they do revive the Camper Van Beethoven thing a few times. I don't know a few times a year, but every couple mm-hmm. years at least. And uh, they used to even have a little festival where it would be Cracker and Camper Van Beethoven. You could camp out and watch, you know, enjoy both bands. And, uh, yeah, uh, devoted following from day one. I mean, I mean, what better... What more could a musician ask for? That's right. You, every time they go out, they they can draw a crowd. And actually, I uh, they're playing at Icon tonight. It's an all ages show, which is kind of cool. Um, oh, nice! Yeah, doors open at seven, I think, sh- or six. Music starts at seven or seven and eight, something like that. I should know these things. Um, <laughs> it's it's tonight anyway, and there is an opener. But um, they uh, uh, and I think the opener is even Johnny Hickman. I think he's playing. Yeah, I think he's doing a set before because he's he's released music over the years too. That's pretty cool. And so, uh, I, but I think it's going to be pretty well attended. 
It should be. Yeah, so tickets are going They've fast. They've done well whenever they played here before. Yeah, uh, you and I saw him. Uh, it was just those two acoustic at Latitude 44 some years ago, and it was awesome. Oh, it was fabulous. It was a great night, yes. Uh, Camper Van Beethoven, though, is the origins of uh, was when Lowry first sort of became, uh, people knew about him. Tell people about that band. I mean, what were they like? They were probably one of the strangest rock and roll bands of the 80s. I mean, they were just bizarre. They would go from uh, a, a surf acoustic version of a Black Flag song to covering Russian, you know, what's the word, ballerikas or whatever yeah. that term is, um, to pure pop. I mean, it was just, they were, they were such a strange act. Of, they actually, it, it's kind of funny how I first discovered them. I mean, everybody knows Take the Skinheads Bowling. Was, it's been used in a few movies ever since. But that record kind of languished for a while before it hit big. And I was still doing shows at KAUR at the time. Augustana Radio. Yes. And uh, I, my house was also the house that people tended to go to after the bars closed. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a friend of mine who I got a show at KAUR, he showed up because I found this record in the trash. We put it on. It became our record for the summer. Yeah. We played it constantly. We went to 7th Street Entry to see them. Uh, my friend who was... Um, making out with the drummer's girlfriend behind the stage at that show. Uh, it, was a, it was a crazy, crazy uh, little mini scene that erupted after that. And then, you know, they, they ended up on a major label. They actually did an in-store at the original Ernie's on 12th Street long ago. You're kidding me. Yes. I did not know that. They played in Vermilion on uh, the night before, which was a Saturday. Uh, you know, the... the the fall, the spring show that mm-hmm. they would always do back then. That's right. And, and uh, you know, they knew about Ernie November. They knew about me and KUR. And so uh, they said, oh, we got nothing to do. We'll just, let's go up to Sioux Falls and play an in-store. And it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, they had a violin player in the band, a rock and roll band with a violin player. It's just something that doesn't happen very often. No, particularly in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> Other yeah. than maybe Dexy's Midnight Runners, if you consider them. <laughs> right, <and> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> At least right. pop yeah. music. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and ever since then, I've, I've always followed what Lowry does. Um, this is interesting to me. So the, they formed Cracker in 91, right? And that first record, uh, Cracker, had a couple of, Teen Angst was a good song. And then, um, but I didn't know this. I was just going through some stuff. They've had 10 studio albums. Several. Oh, I didn't realize oh, yeah. it was that many. Are they well, all? I mean, I mean, that's twenty-five years of of uh, you know being together. I mean, ten's not that many. One of them, though. I, I don't know. Are we going to go into a second segment where I can talk about the business part yes. of this band? Yes, let's do that. So let's talk about okay. the music. They're playing at Icon tonight. If you're interested, by the way. Cool. Yeah, um, so we will come back in a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought That's we were right. going to it. That's all right. I thought you had something to add there. Uh, we're going to come back and talk more with Scott Hudson about uh, uh, Cracker and Dave Lowry and, and some of the things that they have done in their career since then. They're playing down at the Icon Lounge tonight, which is downtown Sioux Falls on Main Avenue. For, I think the door's open at 7, music's at 7, something like that. Stay tuned. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.
343 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and this is Crackers. Sometimes I want to take you down. Sometimes I want to get you low. I brush your hair back from your eyes. I take you down, let the river flow. And we're talking with Scott Hudson on the Patrick Lally Show, and, uh, Cracker concert tonight down at Icon Lounge. Scott in for an extended dance play version of Weird Friends. Uh, I wanted to play that because just to remind people that uh, Crackers are a rock band. That's right. <laughs> uh, sometimes you know you get you start to forget. You know what what was that song again? This is this was a harsh song. I liked it a lot. There it is. Just a second, listen to it. So that's that just happens to be one that I have in the catalog. Probably their their most popular song of all yeah, time. Yeah, it's probably the biggest song. I, Teen Angst is another one that I love the most. Um, uh, Euro Trash Girl, I like that one too. Yeah. So uh, you know they're very diverse and very talented, um, but they've also uh, what were you telling me about their uh, business dealings in terms of you know trying to actually benefit as an artist. Yeah, I mean, I, this is a story that I was about to tell in the first segment and then thought that it was, should, should be held back a little bit. Um, Lowry is really, really involved in um, musicians' rights issues, and I think he is one of the main people. There's a lawsuit against Spotify because they really don't pay artists. You know, they, it's like one one millionth of a cent per, per play. You know, mm-hmm. it's just really ridiculous. And, it, and it, he's always been that way. And I remember, this goes back, and I looked it up to make sure I had it right. In 2006, he found out that his former label was going to put out a, a Best of Cracker record. Hmm. And uh, they weren't going to let him have any input on you know the tracks or anything about that. Uh, and because of that, he took the, the, the band Cracker back into the studio, and they just re-recorded all of their hits. And on the exact same day that the old label was putting out their greatest hits, they put out their own. <laughs> That's brilliant. And, and sold it at a cheaper price to ensure that it outsold the major label one. That's a great idea. I've never heard of that. I, 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 I thought it was the greatest thing ever. I think more bands should do that. For one thing, you know, it is not, you know, having a band you like re-record all the songs. I think there's something that the, the collector side of me loves that. Right. It's not just these tracks in a row that you already own. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, definitely. and you know, you think about it, uh, sometimes artists will go to court to try and get back the rights to their music. We all heard about the big cases in, in those, but you're just going to spend a lot of money and you're probably going to lose because you signed right. something when you signed up for the label, you sign your life away and you never get it back. Yeah, I mean, you're you're suing the uh, you know some of the biggest companies in the world, especially nowadays as, as they have merged and merged and merged and merged with TV companies, merged with film companies. Uh, you know, it's you're you're not going to win against Sony. No, they just keep drawing it out and drawing it out, even if you have a, a standing of some measure. And yeah. most of the time, the artists don't because, in fact, they signed a bad deal. Yep, 
and you got to live with the deal. So coming out with a different record at a lower price, you probably uh, made money instead of just spending money. So that's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Now you can't necessarily license some of that stuff, but uh, but you know it's it's impressive. You know other bands. How is that going in the world of uh, you know Pearl Jam is probably the the one that comes to mind right away, but Radiohead also does this where they have just tried to cut labels and anybody else that takes their money out of the process. Well, I mean, it's really hard to do that unless you are super, super big like Pearl Jam or Radiohead. Um, uh, you do see a lot more of it today just because, you know, you can record in your home. You don't have to go into a studio anymore. You can make a great sounding record in your bedroom. Um, but, you know, it's hard to get people to hear you if you don't have the promotional machine behind you. Yeah. And so that is what these acts, these new acts don't get if they don't sign with some sort of label, even if it's just a distribution deal. Yeah. That the distribution deal is, is not bad because you still retain the rights to the music, but those are hard to get, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think artists are a little more knowledgeable about these things these days than, than like, I mean, the Beatles got, ripped off, you know, bill, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars because not only did they not know how the business worked, their manager, Brian Epstein, didn't know how the business yeah. worked. Uh, you know, instead of getting 90% of the merchandise money, which was, you know, the norm at that time, he signed a deal where they got 10%. Whoops. Had <laughs> <laughs> to wake up the next morning from that one. But uh, yeah. the doesn't... Didn't McCartney eventually get back the entire Beatles catalog for an no, ungodly is, no, sum? No, it's, he, he still is trying. Uh, um, Michael Jackson outbid them for the songs, not actually for the, for the, the records, but for the songs. Yeah. And uh, then when he got into, when Michael Jackson got into debt, he kept giving Sony a bit more of the, of the catalog, of the, a, big, a little piece each mm-hmm. time he needed some money. And, and by the time he died, Sony had most of it. Uh, so Sony now owns the publishing to the Beatles songs, which is, yeah, I'd like to have that. That's a cash, just a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, wow. every time you hear a Beatles song in a commercial or on the radio or in a movie, um, yeah, those people get paid. Which is still like all the time. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Yes. You can't escape the Beatles. No, you can't. Uh, by the way, side note: Band on the Run is still one of the greatest—not the Beatles, McCartney. Still one of the greatest sing-along songs in the car that there is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I'm not I even a big fan. But you know, <laughs> you roll down the windows and you sing "Band on the Run," feeling better about yourself. Um, you know, uh, we were talking about Cracker with Scott Hudson. Uh, uh, on Weird Friends, the show is tonight down at Icon Lounge. Um, the other show that's coming up that's sort of off the radar a little bit is Flaming Lips. That's yeah, next week, really isn't it? Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I think if that show had been here five years ago, it would have been a front-page story. Um, and I'm not saying that there's a l- less respect for this band anymore, because I, I, I think there's still a lot of respect for them, but it, it, you don't really hear people talking about it like I thought you would. Yeah, I mean either. I saw somebody uh, offering tickets on Facebook the other day. I think they probably just ran into a conflict. But uh, that, I mean, and I can't tell sometimes with a band like that, who are, uh, what is their level of popularity these days? They're playing at the District next Thursday, I think. I honestly think that, that this will be one of those that 
quietly sells a ton of tickets. Yeah. Uh, because they are, they're, they're at the level where they're almost household names. You know, there's not many bands that become household names. And that's because they played the game a little bit for a while. They would appear at, the M- at various MTV award shows. Uh, they collaborated with um, uh, that, the little girl that's the, 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 the daughter of the country guy. The Miley do- Cyrus. Ah, yes. Really? Yes. That's odd, isn't it? Yeah, it's very odd. But they're um, kind of odd. Right, right. So, I mean, so they, I mean, they were a festival circuit headliner for many, many years. Um, you know, so I, I do think that this will quietly sell out, even without it kind of being a word on the street kind of deal. Yeah. Um, Pepper Entertainment does a lot of those shows, and, and he seems... Uh, pretty solid in terms of his promotion he doesn't make a lot of big gambles or a lot of big mistakes and so right. if he doesn't think if you know it's he's not going to do it unless he thinks he can get people there so that'll be interesting to see i still may make it to that show i don't know yet are you going to go down to cracker tonight it's possible there it's still in the realm of possible yes yes <laughs> that's pretty good i don't know an all ages show i haven't been to an all ages show in a long time well, I go to—I mean, the total drag shows yeah. are always all ages show, and I'm—I'm, I'm, you know, they're fine. I—I'm at the point now that yeah, well, I, I like to have a drink now and then. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have a drink. Yeah, you can go and just so, watch a band. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. Particularly like at Total Drag, where they're a little earlier. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, and, I, I know, like if that. If I didn't, if I did need a drink, there is a bar like a block away. <laughs> there actually are plenty of bars in downtown Sioux Falls. Exactly. Out. Anything else on the horizon for you, Scott, that looks like something that's uh, interesting? No? Well, I'm going to have a big announcement next week. What is it? Oh, I mean, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yes. Uh, an opportunity has arisen with uh, national possibilities. What? Well, that's a fine tease. Yeah. Well, you, people will have to tune in next week, probably Wednesday, to hear Scott's big announcement. Nice work on the on the uh, promotion, dude. Oh, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm learning. I'm, I'm not good at, at making money, but I'm good at you know promoting myself. There you go. Your brand is solid. Your personal brand is <laughs> on the rise. That's pretty good. Uh, well, Scott, thank you very much for filling us in on Cracker. Show's downtown at the Icon tonight. I, I hope people go out because I like Cracker, and I like when people turn out to support them. So there you go. Well, we'll talk to you next week. All righty. Coming up after uh, the news and weather at the top, we're going to talk with Corey Heidelberger of the Dakota Free Press blog, and uh, we will be chatting about the Democratic slate for governor and some other issues that came out of the Democratic convention which was last weekend in Sioux Falls. Maybe talk a little bit about the coming Republican convention this weekend and who Christy Nome might name for lieutenant governor, which I don't believe has broken yet, or unless I miss something. I don't think that's happened, so we're all waiting to find out. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with Gitter. 357 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Hey, you know what? Looking at my calendar, by God, it's Quarry Days in Del Rapids this weekend. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's the, the, the constant uh, uh, barrage of community festivals. Last week we had like four of them. This week it's Del Rapids. 
They were smart enough to schedule theirs outside the uh, the uh, push. Events include golf tournament, volleyball tournament, 5K, three-on-three basketball tournament, arts and crafts in the park, and more. That's a beautiful park up there in Dallas, by the way, if you've never been. Awesome. Parade on Saturday at 1030. Go to the events calendar at KSO.com for more. After the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we'll talk with Corey Heidelberger, Dakota Free Press blog. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And we bring in from the beautiful city of Aberdeen, South Dakota, the hub city up there in Northeast South Dakota. One Mr. Corey Heidelberger, who blogs at DakotaFreePress.com. Corey, how are things up there? Things are great in Aberdeen, Patrick, but I'm filled with Sioux Falls excitement. I got to spend an exciting weekend at the Democratic Convention in your fair city, so I'm extra happy. Yeah, you weren't you also a speaker at the uh, Democratic Forum? Didn't I see that somewhere? Did that happen? Yeah. My, my friends at Forum invited me down. Actually, someone didn't show, so they needed someone to fill in. But I'm always happy to be second pick. And I went down and spoke to a group there and then buzzed up the convention for all sorts of fun. So for people who don't know... Because most people don't know anything about a party convention, uh, was was it what happened to this thing? Is it sort of like uh, just basically open bar the entire time? Right, that's what we're that's what we're talking about. <laughs> there there are beverages served of all sorts. I did enjoy a Pepsi uh, handed me from a cooler from one of my candidates. There are other beverages as well, but it's still family hour, so we won't mess with that. Um, but in the midst of all that, there are also there's you know party business. Uh, we pick candidates for seven statewide offices, because we decide governor and we decide, you know, congressional offices at the primary, but the lieutenant governor, secretary of state, attorney general, some other offices, we decide those by nomination at convention. And we also sit down and review our platform and make revisions, maybe update it if it needs anything like that. Just kind of check in, make sure our language is still up to date and talk about some resolutions. So knife fights in the hallway at, at uh, noon, that sort of thing, between candidates, I'll tell you, no. It's a you know, I, I, <laughs> I saw no knives, although I had my Swiss Army knife with, with me in case we needed to pull staples or something. But there was, there was some hard lobbying out there. We had a couple of contested races, and so there were numerous parties involved in, in promoting their candidate over the other candidate. I want to talk about the uh, Billy Sutton uh, announcement for Michelle Lavalle, and when we in a minute here, but let's let's do talk about some of these down ticket races because these are people who, uh, in large part, um, a lot of folks, general run of the mill citizen folks, haven't heard of. Right? I mean, this happens. Right. So, but the first one is uh, Attorney General. Um, that was you actually had two candidates for that. Right. Right. It was a big deal. And that's not happened recently in the Democratic Party. Right. Last time around, and I apologize, I can't remember the exact count, but mm-hmm. I know in 2015, or 2014, the last time we had the statewide elections for those offices, uh, we left most of those positions empty. We didn't run anybody for attorney general or, I think, for secretary of state. And I apologize if I'm forgetting one there. Mm-hmm. We just didn't have people who wanted to run for those offices. So going into convention... 
you know, and even, that's the thing, going into convention, we didn't have people who'd announced for those races yet. It's like, oh, no, is it going to be another debacle like that where we don't even contest the Republicans? Mm -hmm. Um, But we got them all. We found nominees, willing people, for every one of those offices. And that's, that is kind of the nature of Democratic convention. You know, Republicans already have people declared and fighting for all seven of those, or all six of the offices that will be contested. Um, on our side, sometimes we do have to get to convention and kind of look each other in the eye and do some arm twisting and convincing to say, no, look, really, you could do this, we'll support you. That's not really the best way to build broad-based support for constitutional offices, is it? Well, it's, it's certainly not ideal. I would certainly rather that we had candidates for Secretary of State and, and Auditor and Public Utilities Commissioner all jumping out of the woods on January 1st and saying, I want to do the job, woo, like that kind of thing. I, I wish that were the case. But we have this system. We nominate it convention. There's no need for a big expensive campaign on it. As far as I'm concerned, if we can get to convention and come out of convention with, seven, with nominees for all seven of those spots, it's mission accomplished, and we go campaign from here. But you did have two for Attorney General, uh, uh, Tate Means and uh, Randy Seiler, uh, both interesting people uh, on mm-hmm. their own right. So that was kind of fun to watch. Um, Randy Seiler uh, came out of it as the victor, but uh, tell us about Tate Means a little bit, because I don't think anybody had really heard of her until she showed up wanting to run for Attorney General, not showed up, she didn't show up that day, but, you know, that, that's how she's sort of come to the public consciousness. Right, and that, that, that was, I think, another step in the right direction for us Dems. Not only did we fill every spot, but we had that very, you know, serious contest between Means and Seiler, both of whom, you know, as far as I could tell, either one of them could step up and do the job of Attorney General. And from what I heard at convention, you know, they, uh, Randy Seiler was known as a candidate, I think, back in, you know, before April, there were rumblings about it. And then Tate We Mean, she started calling delegates in April. That's what I heard from her. So we had a good, just about two months of those two kind of making their case to the Democratic voters. Um, Means, in her speech at convention, I thought did a really good job. She made a very strong case for nominating someone young someone new, someone who's not been in the party previously, someone who could speak for uh, the, the disadvantaged, the disenfranchised, the voiceless. Those were the kind of, you know, the kind of words she was using to talk about the people who maybe aren't usually represented at the table. You know, and she, as a, you know, as a Native American, as someone who grew up in, an, in a Native American family, grew up poor, um, but then, you know, emerged and had a really remarkable career so far. You know, she was actually, I think it was Miss Teen USA, Back in Rapid City, back in the 90s. Wow. She got three, I think it was, associate degrees, then got her undergraduate, then went to, you know, or went to Stanford, got her, and then got her, law, her degree in international law. Um, she's done a number of remarkable things, including then going on to take on the challenge of being the attorney general for the Oglala Sioux Tribe. Which has to be, it does have to be a challenge. I mean, that's... Oh, an a, enormous challenge on yeah. the reservation and dealing with, you know, with reservation politics. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a native, so I'm not going to presume to say what life is like on the reservation. Right. But ask anybody, even Randy Seiler, who's familiar with tribal government, and they'll tell you there's a lot of politics, a lot of complication, you know, and just the legal status of figuring out, okay, if someone commits a crime here, but they're not a member of the reservation, right. can we try them? Are they tried by state law, federal law, tribal law? That's a very hard position to do, and Tate We Mean did it for a few years. So, 
she presented herself as a really good new candidate who'd be able to, you know, who'd be able to do a strong campaign, you know, go toe to toe with anybody on the campaign trail. It's just Randy Seiler came with, I think, even more experience and more advantages, and the delegates chose him over means. Yeah, he uh, has been deputy U.S. attorney for many, many years. Uh, was he uh, interim U.S. attorney at one point? I believe he was. He was after Brendan Johnson stepped down in 2015. Uh, Randy Seiler became chief in the office, and yeah. he was there until uh, toward the end of last year. Yeah. Um, I think he even he he just stepped down before Trump remembered that he had to fire him. <laughs> um, we're going to come right back and talk more with Corey Heidelberger of Dakota Free Press blog right after this short break. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO. Four twenty on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO. And we continue our conversation with Corey Heidelberger of the Dakota Free Press blog up, blog up in Aberdeen, South Dakota, who recently was a delegate to the Democrat National, Con- National State Convention, State Democrat Convention. I'm giving you more juice than you got, Corey. That's more funding than I got, too. I can't afford National Convention. That's thousands of dollars. Oh, man. Yeah, you got to pony up. Um, you're no Mike Uther. Um, no, sir. <laughs> so... Uh, we were talking about the candidate slate. Uh, you, you, uh, Democrats were able to fill all the slots. Talk about AG. Talk, uh, you know, then down the line, there's uh, Secretary of State, there's Auditor and all that. Uh, but there's two people, Secretary of State and the, which one is it? I can't remember the other other office. They're married. Yeah, uh, uh, Public Utilities Commissioner. Interesting sequence of events. We, we had another contested race. We had two contested races. Uh, that might be more than is going on on the Republican side of things. We'll wait and see. Um, public utilities, we had a gentleman, he's a party chair from Sanborn County, John Schmidt from Woonsocket. Um, and then we had Wayne Frederick from Oak Creek, which is down on the Rosebud. And he was a Rosebud uh, tribal council member recently. Um, both of them, interestingly, actually Wayne and John, both participated in the uh, Keystone XL hearings out before the PUC. Um, but the delegates were far more impressed by, by Wayne Frederick. Uh, they picked him, I think, kind of on a 10-to-1 vote on just however the voting scheme works out. But then we closed nominations. We ended our Friday afternoon session, and we still hadn't picked the Secretary of State candidate. That's a big one. Yeah, and it is a big one. I mean, with all you know, with IM-22 and the need to protect petitions and voting rights and all that, and even the snafu we just had this month with the poll books, I think running a good Democrat for Secretary of State is going to be really important to say to people, hey, we want to protect your right to vote and have that candidate focus on those issues. But nobody declared for it. So I stepped out of the Friday afternoon session just feeling bummed. and like, oh, we only filled six of the seven positions. But then... Wayne Frederick's wife, Alexandra, from, again, out in Oak Creek, they're both members of the tribe out there, she announced that she'd be willing to consider running for Secretary of State. And I just, I went up and gave her a big hug. I'm like, woohoo, this is number seven, this is great. <laughs> um, and, and I don't know if this was part of their thinking, but I thought it was kind of neat. It's like her husband made it, and then she thought, well, he's going to be out there driving around campaigning. And then maybe she thought, well, wait a minute. I could campaign with them and just run for a different office. So, you know, I'm excited about that race because, really, I think there are some advantages there. You've got a husband and wife team. They can both campaign together. You know, even save on signs. Their last name is Vote Frederick. So, heck, just buy a sign that says Vote Frederick. And that covers (laughs) PUC and Secretary of State. I think it's kind of a neat idea. Well, it's, it's new, that's for sure. 
We've never seen That's that for before. Sure. Um, well, and new, you can't spell news without new. And so purely from a marketing perspective, yeah. just think of all the reporters out there who are going to go, oh, a husband and wife, Native American team running for two different state offices at the same time? That sounds like a news story. Yeah. That could be free press right there. So reporters, help us out. Go cover this really interesting story. Yeah, you got to do that story. I mean, that, that's yeah, just absolutely. a good story. They might even get yep. some national attention with that. Um, but let's talk about the big one. We saved it till the end, and that is Lieutenant Governor with the naming of Michelle Lavalier. Um, Who? <laughs> Michelle Lavalley. Lavalley. Yeah. Well, so she's a Republican. She was a Republican, and now she's a Democrat. What, oh, that lady. Okay. What was the uh, What was the reception there in the hall? to this announcement, which came right before the convention, a couple days before the convention. What well, did you think? I and what you was what, yeah. There, there was a fight, almost. Mm-hmm. We came in, and we started at 1 p.m. Friday, or well, a little bit after 1, with the nominations for a l- lieutenant governor. Because, again, you know, the, the gubernatorial candidates announced their pick, but by state law, lieutenant governor is just another office that the convention has to approve. It's decided by the convention, not by the candidate. Mm-hmm. So there was a chance that there'd be, you know, maybe a, 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 a challenge. And there was. Gentleman from Sioux Falls, Delegate John Clawson, stood up and he nominated Cooper Carraway, Sioux Falls' AFL-CIO chief, oh, for yes. lieutenant governor. Who had endorsed, didn't, didn't the local chapter of the AFL-CIO uh, uh, endorsed Tatwe Means for EAG? Yes. That's so now we've got all sorts of drama setting up. And there mm-hmm. was, you know, it was it was calm in the hall. There there were no knives or fisticuffs, but everybody <laughs> was looking kind of seriously. And we had, you know, Michelle Lavalley, she got her nomination speeches and spoke to the crowd. And then it was Cooper Carraway's turn. And the way we usually did it was the person who makes the nomination, the delegate who makes the nomination, gets to make a speech in favor of the candidate, and then the candidate speaks. But Cooper Carraway went to the mic first, and we're all like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And Cooper went to the microphone and said he declined the nomination Mm -hmm. because he wanted to encourage everybody to get behind the Sutton campaign and help us win in November. That's interesting because that could have gotten a little ugly. I don't know that the AFL-CIO is particularly thrilled about having a former Republican uh, marketer with a lot of business connections and deep pockets as lieutenant governor candidate. Well, and now there's there's something interesting, and I think a, a good point in Cooper's favor. I mean, he was there. You know, certainly he's the president of the Sioux Falls AFL-CIO. He'd spoken up about the uh, about the AG's race, but Cooper, when he was nominated briefly for attorney or for a uh, lieutenant governor to challenge Lavalley. He did not presume to say, I speak for the AFL-CIO or anything like that. He kept his roles very distinct, and he said, just speaking as myself, I want to say let's all get behind Sutton and his choice. I don't want this nomination. I just want to work to make sure that we fight for our, you know, for the poor, for the workers, for our Native brothers and sisters, for everybody in South Dakota. So Cooper, I think, did a really admirable job of of seeing a moment where he could have made a lot of trouble and instead just saying, no, look, folks, let's not have this fight. Let's but, unite. But do you let's think forward, let's win in November quickly, very quickly, briefly. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the what's left of the left wing of the Democratic Party in South Dakota? Uh, and I'd put you in there uh, is really excited about having Michelle on the ticket. 
I think there are other choices that would have made the left wing more excited. But the practical question is, does the left wing of the party want to win in November or not? Mm-hmm. Billy Sutton is the nominee. He gets to make his choice. Nobody raised a viable alternative. Um, and so I haven't polled all of the left wing, mm-hmm. but I can say for myself and my sense of the left wing that we understand the practical balance that had to be brought to this ticket, and we understand the skills that Lavalley can bring to this ticket to win a whole lot of votes. And we look forward to seeing her put those skills to vigorous work to win all those votes for us. Uh, on that, we will let Corey Heidelberger go because we are going to end up talking about these things a lot more as the campaign goes on. So, Corey, thank you for your time, sir, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Thank you so much, and thank you, Two Falls, for a great weekend. We'll see you later. Coming up after the news and weather, we're going to talk with Kathy Grady about the Dakota Man Triathlon on Saturday. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Oh, the Ben Stone Information. 436 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And I am, I'm very happy, actually, to have in the studio with us today, Kathy Grady of Sanford Wellness. But she is here because she is the... Your race director, is that your title of uh, Dakota Man? Yes, I am. A, we actually have a co-director because we actually combined with Shields a couple of years ago. So Brian Brinkman's also the co-race director with me. But Yeah, yeah Brian uh, uh, from Shields, and mm-hmm. he's a system manager over there now or something like that. But mm-hmm. he is a longtime triathlon guy, yes. bike racer and everything. Yes. I like Brian. I didn't know he was uh, still involved. That's awesome. So uh, Dakota Man Triathlon is... Uh, what used to be the uh, Sanford Triathlon at Wall Lake, mm-hmm. and Dakota Man was at Lake Alvin, and they were always very close together. Yes, like, they were always a week apart. Yeah, and so it was like, bang, bang, those are our two triathlons. Yes. Uh, and then some years ago, uh, you combined them together. When was that? Um, we combined uh, three years ago, so this will be our third season of being combined. Think about that. It was so funny today, uh, Howard Bish, who used to be in charge of the Dakota Man, actually called me today and said, oh, hey, I was wondering how the how the race went last weekend. I said, oh, well, you haven't missed it. It's actually this next weekend. So. Howie's been on vacation, apparently. <laughs> yes. He just had a hip replaced in oh, April. Man. He's so. probably still going. Yes. Howie Bish, who is one of the, the great athletes in South Dakota history. People kind mm-hmm. of forget he was on, he, I think he played at Augie. Mm-hmm. Way back when, yes. and uh, was a coach in Wagner. Wagner for many, many years, uh, the the home of one Mister mm-hmm. Uber producer Dan Peters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then started Dakota Man mm-hmm. fifteen years ago now or so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think they did it like ten years before, and that after ten years, just him and his wife did it. They yep. basically and did a phenomenal job putting on that race. And it was it was a great race. Yes. Uh, but Howie, side note, also is on the South, was for a long time on the like mm-hmm. South Dakota over 65 basketball team, mm-hmm. like national. They were great. He was a great basketball player. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad Howie's still out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you combine them together. Mm-hmm. Is it bigger and better than ever? You know, um, we were hoping that it would get continue to get bigger. And, and I don't know what it is. For some reason, it seems like just races in the last couple of years have not grown very much. And I've been hearing this. Um, other races too in Minnesota and mm-hmm. um, um, some of the other Iowa um, communities. And so right now, I mean, our numbers are pretty good. We're a little bit, I mean, down from last year, down probably about 30 registrants. So, mm. Well, I still have to register. And that's, here's the deal, Kathy. Okay. So Dakota Man actually was the first open water triathlon I ever did, which mm-hmm. is many years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, I thought I was going to die, but I didn't die. And then I went on and did all the other stuff. Um, but I haven't done a triathlon now for three years. <laughs> it's been it's been a little while. And I, I sort of got the smackdown from um, our, our new mayor, Paul Tenhaken, who's mm-hmm. registered. Yes. And he's like, you got to do it. You got to do it. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm thinking I got to do it. But I'm not sure I can get into my wetsuit. <laughs> now, here's my concern, that I'll just go out there and embarrass myself. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen, isn't it? No, it'll it'll be fine. <laughs> you know what you could do is, I mean, at least you'll do it then. Find a team. Yeah. And have somebody, have two other people help you with I it. I could do that. Yes. And then I could just ride my bike. There you go. I don't have a triathlon bike anymore, a, a, a TT bike. That's okay. Bike. You can have anything. No, I'm going to, yeah, that's just it. That's the <laughs> yes. other great thing about this race. Yes. Uh, uh, you can... And people do mm-hmm. ride pretty much everything. Yes, yes. You will see everything from mountain bikes to hybrids to um, tri bikes to, um, I mean, road bikes. I mean, you're going to see it all. And mm-hmm. some people sort of embrace the the uh, sort of clunkerness of it. Mm-hmm. That does happen. But there's also some high-level competition going on. Yes. Uh, so you have been uh, working... Tell us about the connection with Sanford because you also have a big program over there at the Wellness Center to get people into triathlon, right? Um, yes, we do. We have um, actually two programs. I got my adult program, which is our Sanford triathlon um, training program. And we um, do a 12-week program. We started the beginning of April. And we actually complete it this week. It's kind of our goal is to, um, for anybody who's a brand new triathlete, it's to give you all the tools necessary to be able to complete a triathlon. Um, and so, like I said, we um, will finish this week as our final week. And then we're actually going to take two weeks off. And then we do a second session, a second eight-week session for anybody. Because there's a lot of triathlons still left in the summer. I mean, there's a good until the end of August. So um, it's a great program to do. We have ages anywhere from, I'm trying to think my youngest is probably in uh, like 27. My oldest is um, in their 60s. And then I also do a youth triathlon training program um, that we get all ages too. We get anywhere from five-year-olds all the way up to 15-year-olds. Mm. So. And one of the great things about that mm-hmm. is you get some actual swim instruction. Yes. And that is always for everybody that comes to triathlon, I bet at least 90% of people, it's the swimming that they struggle with. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, open water swimming is a completely Mm -hmm. different deal Mm -hmm. um, because you're, you know, with a bunch of other people, you you can get kicked and this sort of thing. But uh, you also go crooked because you can't look at the Mm -hmm. line on the bottom. Yes. So uh, what do you, how do you get people out into the open water? How do you convince them it's going to be okay? Oh, well, first of all, we pray the weather's going to be good. Yes. And we've been kind of struggling with that this this uh, spring. Um, but we do do um, some training sessions, first of all, in the pool. We um, With our training program, we do actually meet um, for sure every Monday, um, do a pool swim. And then we do a swim clinic where we actually will finish with throwing some buoys out in the water. And we will do mass starts and we practice mm. that. And then uh, once the weather finally starts cooperating, we do um, we head out out to the lakes, whether it's Lake Elvin or Wall Lake, depending on the week. And um, um, and there's usually a pretty good sized group of us. And we try to keep. And I always have a kayaker with me too, so we always make sure we've got a lot of eyes on um, the people. And we, it's just a lot of times you might not swim as far as like everybody else, but you do what you can do because the biggest thing is getting used to that open water. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, if they can't see the bottom, it really it's a scary experience. Yeah, me among them. So uh, yes, I my first open water at Lake Alvin, mm-hmm. I actually had to turn over on my back mm-hmm. and, and like calm myself. Yes, down. and that is okay. I mean, I've been a swimmer since I was eleven, swam in college, and there's sometimes 
that I even get nervous in the water, especially, you know, when you got all these people that, you know, are trying to swim over the top of you and stuff. And you just got to always know. And that's a good thing with the coaching is if you do start panicking, turn over on your back and mm-hmm. just, you know, take a breath. Just look at the clouds. Yes. Just look at the clouds. Yes, breathe. <laughs> yes. We're going to come right back and talk more with Kathy Grady about the Dakota Man Triathlon, which is this Saturday out at Wall Lake. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Today. Clouds blow away. 4.47 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are talking about the Dakota Man Triathlon with Kathy Grady, who is the race director and uh, sort of in charge of everything triathlon mm-hmm. and swimming over at mm-hmm. Sanford Wellness. Is that You're still like the aqu- aquatics director and all that. Don't you do all that stuff? I am. I just uh, I took a, had a couple of years where I was a program coordinator, and now I'm back being in charge of the pool, so... Well, that's good. Yes. You like swimming. Um, you know, the, we were talking about swimming, and people always freak out. When I can never do a triathlon. Mm-hmm. I can't swim. But swimming is, and I'm a, not a great swimmer. Mm-hmm. It's all technique. Yes. Yes. I, it gets so much easier. Not, it's never easy, but you can do it when you learn just the basics. Yes. And that's the thing is a lot of times if we have somebody start my program, the first day, they might even struggle making it down the first, the, just a length of the pool. Mm-hmm. And I keep telling them, each time you come back, it gets better. And it does. And it's so much fun to see the progress that people make in the program. Yeah. When I started swimming, I, I couldn't swim mm-hmm. a full lap. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's incredible to think of how much progress you can make with just a little bit of instruction. Yes. And so that's the one area I would highly recommend, whether you join a, a training program or just even takes a few private lessons from somebody who can just give you just the basics because it is, it's so technique driven. The other thing I always liked about the, uh, what was then the Sanford triathlon, which is now Dakota man at wall Lake is very festive atmosphere there. You don't always get that with triathlon. Sometimes yes. it's a little bit, uh, uh, a little bit more, uh, subdued, let's say. Yes. And there's music and mm-hmm. people are cheering and because there's a lot of, there's a lot of first timers. There's a lot of, just average folks, and they that's the kind of atmosphere you get in that. Yes. I, I had yeah. a friend of mine who decided he got somebody to talk him into doing it, and he had never done anything like that. Mm-hmm. His his swim practice was to go out the night before and walk around the tracks <laughs> waving his arms around. You know, I mean, anybody can do it, yes. right? Yes. Um, so the uh, we talked a little bit about the history of the uh, triathlon. I do want to talk about uh, you have – when did you get into triathlon? Um, I started, um, and I was actually older. I wish I would have kind of started younger, but um, back in 2004, so I was 38 when I started doing triathlons. Um, you've come a long ways. You're doing quite well. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> what uh, you just did, uh, 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 Alcatraz, right? The Escape from Alcatraz. Yes. Tell yep. people about the lovely Escape from Alcatraz race. You know, everybody always says that's a bucket list item that you need to do. And uh, and I do agree with them after doing the race that I really think it's something that everybody has to do. I'm just amazed at all the people I talk to who've done it numerous times because I'm thinking, okay, one and done. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, But it is, it's a great experience. They put on a phenomenal race. Probably the, the scariest thing is when they take you out on the ferry over to Alcatraz and they have over 2,000 people jump off this ferry within seven minutes and you have to swim back across the the bay and um and run about a half a mile on a half mile back to transition and then you get on your bike and it's only 18 mile bike ride but the hills 
I will never say there's a big hill in South Dakota. I'm <laughs> seeing these hills in San Francisco. And uh, yeah, the downhills were just just crazy scary. Um, and then the run was an 8.3 mile run on, um, you've got um, trails, you've got sand, you're going up sand ladders. And uh, and it was it was a lot of fun. That was really quite the experience. It's a the distances are off. It's a weird distance. Yeah. It's, everybody's like, "What is an Olympic?" I'm like, "Well, no, huh? It's just no, it's, it's a weird distance. It's Alcatraz yes. distance. Yes. The uh, we should say Dakota Man is a sprint triathlon. Yes. And it is uh, what's the swim here? So the swim is a 500 yards. Um, the bike we actually kind of just increased that a couple of years ago just to make it um, a little bit easier course wise. It's 15 mile bike ride, and the run is going to be a 5k. So it's a kind of a stand. Sometimes the bike there is a little longer. Yes. Sometimes the swim is a little longer, but that's a standard yes. sprint try distance. Yes, and we do have the youth race too. So they get to go really short distances. Oh, so uh, the uh, well, how old do you have to be? What are the age So we have like? ages. They can be between 8 and, I'm sorry, between 6 and uh, 14. And once they turn 15, they need to do the adult race. But there's And then there's divisions within Yes, the, yep, yeah. yep. So we had a 6 to 8-year-old will do a 50-yard swim, um... I think they do a one mile bike and then they do a quarter mile run. Mm-hmm. You know, the bike might actually be a half mile for those guys. Mm-hmm. And then we got the nine to 11. They'll do the hundred yard swim and then a one mile bike and then um, uh, a half mile run. Mm-hmm. And then our 12 to 14 year olds will do the 200 yard swim, the two mile bike and the one mile run. Holy cow, that's a lot of different courses. Yes. So for the little kids, you just make them swim down the edge of the yes. beach so yep, they can they stand up? Yes, they do shoreline. So yeah. yeah, so if they do need to stand up, they can. And it's Wall Lake. Yes. It's just not that deep. No, no. <laughs> no, our adults do have to swim out and back, yep. so you will be in um, deeper water. But like I say, we've got tons of, um, we'll have boat support out there, kayak, kayak support, so. Yeah, it's a, it really is funny. I mean, even if you aren't into triathlon, it's fun to just come out and hang out because it is such a kind of a fun atmosphere. Yes, and we always need volunteers. There you go. So. If you're looking for something to do, you can stand around <laughs> yes. and go, good job, runner. Yes, nice job. You're almost done. No, don't say that don't unless you're say almost that. done. Uh, people are like, you're looking good. And you're like, no, no. you're a liar. No. You're a liar. Um, when are, do you think we'll ever have uh, a longer race? Probably the, the next longest race around here is Outland. Up in um, and actually, Outland's not doing their race anymore. Really? No, so this gone. is the first year. So actually, there is a half Ironman in Custer. Yep. The second week of September, I think it's like September eighth, and they actually did add an Olympic distance to that race oh, last good. year. And yes. Okaboji has one that's an Oka- kind of a yeah. There's is up. a yes. There's is like the third week of July, and there's is like a eight hundred yard swim. It's like an Alcatraz race, eighteen mile bike, <laughs> and like a four mile run. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yes, but then if you really get into it, you can go up to Twin Cities, and they have a whole series of half yes. Iron Distance. Yes, they're not Ironman races; they're distance races. Yes. Uh, what's on your plate? What's coming up after this? Oh gosh, oh, I got to think because, like I said, my biggest two races I did a half Ironman in Oceanside, California, the beginning of April, and then just with Alcatraz here a couple weeks ago. Those were my big races, um, and I did Mitchell a couple weeks ago, um, and then so I have coming up. I think I'm going to go up to Eureka. I've never done Eureka, so that will be fun. But South Dakota has a, a tri series, mm-hmm. so there's nine races involved, and uh, and so uh, Dakota Man's one of the series. So it's really nice for people who want to do this um, series race to make sure you try to get them four races yeah, there's points and everything there's points yeah if people want more information on dakota man where do they go so they can go to um if they want to um just kind of check out some information just go to the um, webpage which is um 
uh, signmeup.com backslash Dakota Man Triathlon. Mm-hmm. And that kind of explains everything about the race. And if you do decide you want to sign up, you do need to sign up by midnight Thursday night. to That's get My clock is ticking. So, yes, you've got to get signed up. Um, and so there's just information. Otherwise, they're more than welcome to shoot me an email at um, kathy.grady at sanfordhealth.org. That's great. Kathy Grady from Sanford Wellness and race director of the Dakota Man, which is Saturday. Thank you very much for coming in, Kathy. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We're going to finish up here in just a minute. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 458 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up on the show tomorrow, we're going to talk with Joe Sneevy of Argus Leader Media, City Hall reporter, after the big public comment debate. Pat Powers from Dakota War College will be here. And the Boon Man is our weird friend of the day. It's going to be a, a riot. You're going to want to be there. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO.